Thanks to Slack for supporting Industry Focus. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Go to slack.com to learn more. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, May 19th, and we're taking a look at two beat-up tech stocks. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined in the studio by Fool Premium Analyst, David Kretzman. David, how's it going? I'm doing well, Dylan. Good to see you. It's a little steamy in the studio today. Doubles as a sauna today. Yeah, Chris Hill came by and said, you're going to want to be quick today. <laughs> We're going to try. <laughs> we'll wrap it up as quickly as possible. We are doing uh, a show in front of a live studio audience, in a sense. We have some guests. Yeah, yeah. We, have, we have some listeners, fans of The Fool, Leighton and Sarah, coming in from Arizona. Welcome to Fool HQ. Yeah. Uh, listeners, if you're ever in the area and want to stop by, just give us a heads up, industryfocus at fool.com. We always love meeting people that listen to the show. Uh, so, David, we are looking at two companies that sold off big after reporting earnings earlier this month, and maybe the market reaction was a little too strong. Yeah, I think that that's always the question here. It's never fun to see stocks that you own get hit. If you're if you have them on your watch list, maybe you're a little more excited. It could be a buying opportunity. So any any time you see a stock get clobbered like these two stocks happened to, and, and what was otherwise a pretty good earnings season across the board for a lot of the stocks we follow at the Fool, it's good to take a step back and just reevaluate the business and what to watch going forward. Yeah. So today we're going to look at Twilio and Yelp, see if maybe they belong on your watch list, or if you already own them, it's a chance to buy some more shares at a light. Slightly cheaper cost basis. Um, so Twilio was down at nearly 30% since reporting earnings earlier Oof. this month. And as a reminder for some people that may not be as familiar with the company, they are what they'd say is a cloud communications company. Basically, you can think of them as a company that provides the building blocks for developers to include communication features, basically like protected calling, uh, two factor authentication, stuff like that in their apps and services. So they make life a lot easier for developers. I think that's the best way to describe it in layman's terms. Yeah, and they have a lot of high profile clients like Airbnb, Uber to an extent. We'll talk about that. <laughs> source, source subject. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so they have a lot of high profile customers. This is the type of company you probably interact with their products or services without knowing it. It's a back end company. Yeah, they, they are behind the scenes making everything happen. Um, and really, the story with Twilio, looking at their most recent report, it wasn't the trailing results. Uh, the company posted revenue of $87.4 million for the quarter, which is good for over 40% growth year-over-year. Top-line growth is decelerating a little bit, but that was still comfortably within the company's guidance. It was really the look at future guidance uh, that sent the stock down. Uh, people were not super thrilled with some of the news about one of the company's biggest customers and what that might do to the company's financials. Yeah, in this case, it's Uber, and with Twilio, they've had a lot of revenue or customer concentration, especially with Uber and WhatsApp, which is owned by Facebook. So, in this case, Uber announced that, or essentially, let Twilio know, like, hey, we're going to be looking to develop some of the technology in-house, and in some of the geographies around the world, we might be looking to go switch over to other vendors. So, essentially, that's, you know. 12% or so percentage of Twilio's revenue that they can't count on over the next year or so. I hope that was at least a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> and a little just, bit of a heads up. Not just a text, right? Yep. Um, yeah, so they are a very large part of the top line uh, for Twilio, like we said. And customer concentration has been an issue for them in the past. Um, but you look at the sell off here. I mean, they lost a billion dollars in market cap on this news, more or less. And when you think about the revenue contribution that uh, a customer like Uber has for them, it seems a little asymmetrical. Like I look at the the trends of you know their top ten customers and how much of their business they make up, 
And it seems like they're moving further and further away from that heavy reliance. And so, there's a part of me that thinks maybe this is an overreaction by the market a little bit. Yeah, I think you can you can certainly argue that. Right now, their top 10 customers account for 25% of total revenue. And I think you said before the show that that number has actually been trending down over the past several quarters. Yeah, six months ago, that was 31%. Yeah, so it's moving the right direction. So, that's definitely what you like to see. They added 4,000 new customers, new essentially new developers. So, by and large, they have a very diversified customer base. For me, the concerning part about this announcement with Uber isn't so much that Uber is developing some of the technology in-house and they'll essentially just be doing it under their own roof, because not many customers are going to take the time or resources to to develop that kind of expertise and do it in-house. To me, the most concerning aspect of this Uber announcement is that Uber will be switching to other vendors in certain geographies that might provide better service or charge uh, a lower price or whatever it might be. To me, that sort of brings up some questions about how much of a moat does Twilio have if, if Uber is essentially saying, well, we can get a better deal one way or another in, in other geographies where we don't need to rely on Twilio. There are th- tens of thousands of other developers could potentially make that same choice. And that is, to me, that's not as much of a leap as developing the tech in-house, which I think very few customers are likely to do. So, I think there's just some of the, uh, some bigger question marks around Twilio's moat, and I think that, that might be causing a lot of the, the skepticism or uh, you know, concern over Twilio right now. Yeah, I think that's a good point to make there because they talked about this quite a bit in the conference call. But management was like, "There are not a lot of our, of our customers that can pull this off. Like the amount of resources that you need to put into developing all of this in house and kind of hosting it yourself and and making it your own property, no one's going to want to do that. Maybe WhatsApp decides to do that at some point. But you look at their customer base, and aside from those two, there, there's really no one else in their profile. Um, and and just for background. I think WhatsApp makes up five percent of their top line right now. So and that also has been trending down the past few quarters. So again, moving the right direction. They're not overly dependent on one customer. And yeah, with Twilio, I think that is one of the risks. This isn't necessarily the easiest business to understand unless you are a developer and working hands-on with a product like Twilio. Um, but and another risk here too is that they are still unprofitable. They're still burning cash. So that 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 alone always will make a, a company. More risky than a company that is producing cash and is profitable, but they do have 289 million dollars in net cash, and that's over 10 percent of their current market cap, which is 2.2 billion dollars. So they're they're not in danger of going anywhere overnight. And even without Uber, they're still guiding for about 30 percent sales growth this year. So I, I am definitely more interested in Twilio than I was a few months ago when the stock was just people were going gaga for the stock uh, after the IPO is trading up at pretty unsustainable levels. Like, okay, the expectations are pretty high. I'm not sure if they can meet that. But now it seems more reasonable. And and even with Uber leaving, as long as they can demonstrate that they do have a moat and that they are able to retain these customers that they bring on board and that those hopefully they can expand the relationship with the customers they bring on board. If they can do that, then I think this can be a nicely profitable, sustainably profitable business over the long term. But again, there's still some questions there. So I'm not surprised to see uh, those questions continuing over the moat. Yeah, and you talked about valuation a little bit. Um, the company is currently trading for around six times sales. Less than nine months ago, they were double that, and so so that is the fall from grace that we've seen. Uh, I've certainly been kind of keeping an eye on them for a while. I was I was really interested to see what happened in this report. Um, when you when you think about investing in a recently public company, I know my tendency at least is to wait until we see three or four quarters of results because. 
you see them growing the base of their non-big customers. Um, you know, in, in the instance of a Snap, you see them kind of figuring out their monetization strategy. There's so much that an early public company needs to work out, and and you know, there are some in in Twilio's case metrics that people might not be super familiar with um, that that you want to see trending in certain directions, and so. Um, I think this is a reminder, in some ways, of why it can be better to wait and watch from the sidelines for these hot new public IPOs. Definitely, in in general, I think a safe rule of thumb for investors is to wait at least six months after a company goes public. Just wait on the sidelines. Let let a company get a couple quarters under its belt. Just get a sense for the direction management is taking the company and see if their strategy is playing out in a successful way. In the case of Twilio, the the founder and CEO Jeff Lawson, who gets a lot of you know, high praise uh, from from the industry and from tech in general. He has a background with Amazon Web Services, and Twilio's business model is kind of similar to to AWS in some ways. And I believe they have a stake in Twilio as well. I th- I think so. They they at least have a partnership. Yeah. Um, but he still owns over seven percent of the company, and that's after the six month lockup expiration, which is essentially when six months after the IPO, the insiders can sell. Their their stock if if they want, but he still owns a sizable stake. He uh, seems to be pretty well regarded in the space, so it's nice to see you know a key insider like that still retaining a large stake even after he could have maybe sold out. Yeah, yeah, and if if you're looking for the actual impact here that we're seeing for revenue uh, with with Uber kind of moving away, um, they projected that the hit from the declining business, so Uber won't disappear overnight. It will be kind of a slow, gradual slope off. Um, it looks like it'll be a ten to eleven million dollar hit in revenue for 2017, and I think all told, if you look at Uber's contribution, you know it's somewhere in like the forty to sixty range million dollars over the course of 2017. Um, so for a company to lose a billion dollars in market cap over that, uh, I think a lot of the market reaction speaks more to those moat concerns mm-hmm. than to them losing the specific customer. Um, and and that's really the thing to watch is can this company continue to add new customers, build them up, and kind of stay diversified in that customer base because that's what's going to fuel their growth moving forward. Yeah, the, to me that's the the number one thing for investors to watch because I think that's the the main factor that will determine whether or not this is a business that can be sustainably profitable over the long term. And you know if you do own shares at Twilio or if you're looking to buy shares, this this is a company that I wouldn't make a large position in a portfolio, especially now. It's still an unproven concept. They haven't proven that they can be profitable and produce positive free cash flow. There are still some questions about the moat. So I would make this a smaller position in a portfolio if you are looking at it. And then if they are able to prove themselves out over time, the stock should do well. And that that would naturally make the position a bigger part of your portfolio. And that would be the time I would look to maybe add a little bit more. Yeah, and I can see why people like this business. And I mean there are a lot of reasons why it's been on my watch list for a while. I mean Anytime you have a business that's doing the heavy lifting and the dirty work so that people can just plug something in and make it happen, particularly on the tech side, when it scales really well, um, that's going to be really appealing to investors. Um, so, with their core business and what they do, I think there's a lot to like. Um, as long as the core business metrics are moving in the right direction, I th- think it's something for investors to certainly watch. Yeah, and by and large, I think those core metrics are moving uh, the right direction. Uber leaving raises some questions about it, but by and large, the, the core business is still in pretty good shape at this point. Yeah. So, we're going to talk about a second business uh, in the second half of the show. Before we do, though, thanks again to Slack for supporting industry focus. Slack is where work happens. It's a messaging app that brings all your team's communications into one place, making your working life simpler and a little bit more productive. With Slack, you can reduce emails and streamline your team's communication. Slack allows you to organize your team with real-time messaging, video and voice calls, group file sharing, and searchable archives all in one easy-to-use app. Looking to save time and be more productive? 
With Slack, there's no more searching through emails for that one follow-up or searching through multiple systems to find exactly what you're looking for. And Slack works everywhere you go. With mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly, you can always pick up where you left off no matter where you are. It's an easy and convenient platform to get your team working together. I think one of the best features by far on Slack is the drag-and-drop file sharing that works across all the apps you probably already use. Think Dropbox, Google Drive, Trello. I use it all the time here at HQ to share spreadsheets, screenshots, you name it. Before we went down to the studio, I actually Slack David our notes for the show. Uh, this is all to say that we are big fans of Slack here at HQ. We've been using it for quite some time. If you want to learn more, you can head over to slack.com. That's slack.com. So, David, switching over to another beat-up tech company, Yelp is down around 20% since reporting earlier this month. It's the theme of the day. Uh, um, and I think the story was pretty similar with them, right? I mean, we had earnings that were more or less in line with what the market expecting was expecting. Uh, the problem was guidance. Yep. Yeah, their, their revenue is up 24% this quarter, which isn't bad. So that's not slow growth. Uh, but it's been an ongoing issue for Yelp it, uh, is revenue deceleration. So their revenue has actually decelerated every quarter since the third quarter of 2014. So almost going on three years. At that point, their sales had grown about 68%. Essentially, that sales growth number just ticked down steadily quarter, quarter by quarter. And, and here we are at 24%. And really, I think that the company has run into some headwinds because their user, their total user base has essentially plateaued. They have 84 million desktop users, they have 73 million mobile users. That's bounced around quarter to quarter, but it hasn't really grown significantly. The, the main way the company generates revenue now is through what it calls local advertising accounts. So essentially, it has a small, uh, well, not necessarily small, it has 139,000 small businesses or local businesses that will pay for advertising in, in some shape or form on Yelp's platform. To give some context, that's out of 3.4 million claimed business locations, which essentially means there are about 3.5 million business owner accounts on Yelp. People, who, People that verify that this is my business, basically. Yeah, they, they verify with Yelp, so they've kind of taken that step. So, only about 4% of those verified businesses on Yelp are paying customers right now. And one of the issues, I think, that contributed to the, the slightly weak quarter, and perhaps for the, the weak guidance as well, is that um, essentially their revenue retention rate was lower than they anticipated. So, in other words, the, the customers that they have weren't necessarily paying the same amount or even paying at all uh, compared to, to previous quarters. So, certainly some concerns there because Yelp, like I said, the revenue has been decelerating over the past three years. And over that time period, expenses continue to tick up. So, the, the company's path to sustainable profitability is still a little murky. And if you're looking for the numbers here, Yelp revised its guidance uh, on their call for revenue uh, from $850 million to $865 million for full year 2017. Original guidance had been $880 million to $900 million. And that doesn't seem like a big drop. But when you're talking about a company that should be growing you know, pretty quickly and, and should be moving the top line, um, I, I think that's where it starts to become a reason for pause and, and where you have this reaction. Um, certainly, if you are an advertising platform and that's how you're making most of your money and you're hearing that retention isn't great, you want advertisers to be seeing the ROI on their ad dollars and, and for it to be making sense for them to continue plowing money back into the platform because they're they're getting new customers or, you know, um, they're, I, I don't know, they're, they're doing something to build their business. And if you're not helping people do that with advertising, then you're not going to be a very successful advertising platform. Yeah, especially when you're talking about the digital advertising space, which has largely been dominated by Google and Facebook. So, Yelp has to really demonstrate 
a, a value proposition that's attractive to, to customers. And if that revenue retention rate is dropping or not not growing, then that that could sh- demonstrate that they're struggling a little bit to compete with the the behemoths like Facebook and Google, where these digital ad dollars are naturally flowing. And Yelp over the past year and a half has really gone through a lot of internal shakeups. The the chairman and the then CFO they both departed the company within about five or six months of each other, which usually if you have high-profile executives or board members leaving within a few months of each other, that that raises, for me, a a yellow flag. Then they've also been uh, slowly but surely kind of dwindling down their uh, international business, and they're just refocusing on North America, where they are seeing better metrics as far as bringing on uh, paid accounts. But they, they, there are some attractive attributes uh, to the business itself. Uh, the, CF, the new CFO a few quarters ago, he mentioned that no single customer makes up more than a half percent of total sales. So it's again, like the opposite of Twilio's problem. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> so just very diversified. Uh, no single geographic market is more than fifteen percent of revenue, and the company's largest category, which is actually home and local services, so like plumbing or home repairs or things like that, uh, that generates less than a third of total like local advertising revenue. So, it, as far as revenue goes, it's, it's a fairly diversified business across all of these segments and customers, but the trouble is, when you have kind of a stagnant user base, trying to get more, more of those businesses to, to pay up to, to reach what is a stagnant user base, I think that they're just running into some headwinds there, because if that user base isn't growing and you're competing against Google Maps or, or Facebook reviews or all these other things from much larger um, competitors, uh, I, I understand why the company is running into headwinds. Yeah, all the digital ad market research that I read is just showing that the power that Google and Facebook wields is consolidating. It's getting mm-hmm. bigger and bigger, and very often it's coming at the expense of these smaller platforms. Um, this is not all that different than the conversation I had following Twitter's earnings, mm-hmm. where you you look at the declining price of ad engagements on their platform, and I think some of that is simply because advertisers are seeing better ROIs elsewhere. Um, I, Facebook, in its recent quarterly calls, have they've paid a lot of attention to small businesses, and you can look. I mean, they've highlighted the number of small businesses that are advertising on the platform that have pages on the platform. So local is clearly a focus for them, even though they are this massive, massive <laughs> global phenomenon at this point. Yeah, and I, another company I follow, Priceline, which is the online travel agency. You might have talked about it on this show. They they own Booking.com, Kayak, and you know online travel agencies like that. On their conference calls, pretty repeatedly, they say, "We want to spend more money on Facebook." <laughs> so <laughs> that just gives you an idea. Like these advertisers, they want to spend more on Facebook and Google. That's where they're seeing the highest ROI. So if you're someone like Yelp or Twitter, they're they're having uh, they're, they're facing many more struggles competing against uh, those much more dominant platforms in terms of digital ad spending. But with Yelp, they're similar to to Twilio. I, I think there are some business dynamics that are attractive, and the company actually has a net cash total of four hundred eighty six million dollars, which is twenty one percent of its current market cap. So to me, that suggests okay, there there is at least a cushion here. I think the most likely out for Yelp would be getting acquired by someone because I think they do have a relevant platform, but I think it needs to be part of something larger. I just don't see this being a thriving, sustainable business on its own. And I mean that having over a fifth of your market value in cash that should provide a cushion. They are uh, producing positive free cash flow, even though a lot of that, similar to Twitter, is due to stock-based compensation. But even when you back out that stock-based compensation, the business is producing positive free cash flow. So they're not in danger of going under anytime soon. But yeah, to me, it's hard for me to see them 
surviving and doing well on their own. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see an acquisition now because their market value right now is similar to Twilio, is about $2.3 billion. So they could be snapped up by one of those bigger players pretty easily. Easily. Yeah, uh, I know my personal feeling with these two stocks is Twilio remains much more interesting because it's so much earlier on in the story, and it seems like there's much more growth ahead of it. Um, I don't see that huge ramp for Yelp. Um, there, there are some really nice things with its business, but it is something that seems to be more kind of like plodding along than it is something that will explosively grow in the next couple of years. Yeah, and despite the concerns with Uber leaving Twilio, I just see Twilio being a little bit more differentiated. I, I, I agree with you. I think they have a bigger greenfield opportunity. Yelp is just operating in such a competitive space with reviews alone, let alone digital advertising, like the people who are actually going to pay you to sustain your business. So I think Twilio has a clearer path to become a larger, sustainable, profitable company. But yeah, both of these are beaten down. But I do like that both these companies, by and large, have expanded without rack, you know, raking up a lot of uh, debt. So that that makes them a little bit safer as they work through these muddier waters. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they where they go from here. Yeah, we will check in when we have more results come next quarter. See how they're doing. Hopefully, brighter times ahead. <laughs> yeah, thank you for joining me today, David. Thank you. Well, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions, or if you just want to reach out and say hey, you can shoot us an email at industryfocus@fool.com or tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or check out the Pool's family of shows at fool.com/podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thank you to Austin Morgan for all of his work behind the glass, tolerating my ad read mess ups. For David Kretzman, I am Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool on. Cool